What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Ryan Schlesinger Podcast, Episode 2. Today, we're going to be recapping yesterday's Marlins game, which was a wild one. We're going to be talking a little about, little about, bit about the Marlins minor league system, because some stuff happened last night, whether it was in low A, which was very interesting. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you will in a moment. And in AAA, we had some action. First, let's talk about what the most important thing is, which was the Marlins' 7-4 win yesterday. And if you didn't watch the game, I highly recommend you go watch the highlights. This one was a good one. It was definitely one of the most exciting games the Marlins have played all year. They've had a lot of exciting ones, but this one just hit different. First, one of the reasons why it was so exciting was because Pablo Lopez had a no-hitter through six going into the seventh And then the Nationals put two runs on the board to tie it up because the Marlins only gave him two runs of support. And one of them was a John Birdie RBI fielder's choice, which was in the third. And then a Luke Williams solo shot. That was absolutely blasted. His second career home run came in the fifth inning. His other home run was with the Phillies, a walk-off home run. So congrats to Luke on his second career homer and his first with the Marlins. Anyways, Pablo, the no-hitter got broken up by a Josh Bell double. Then they ended up getting a run driven in. Then Bass comes in to pitch after Pablo has trouble. You could just tell he was really starting to, to, to fatigue. So he ended up going six innings and one-third, allowing three hits Two earned runs. One of them was when he wasn't in the ball game. Bass was credited for not allowing the earned runs since Bass came in with the bases loaded and one away, and then he allowed a sack fly, but he was able to end up getting out of it, luckily for the Marlins, and then it was only a tie game, which could have been a lot worse. And Stephen Okert comes in, and he gives Josh Bell a hanging slider in the bottom of the eighth inning when the game was tied. Bell... Breaks up the tie game. He breaks the tie and makes it 3-2 Nationals. Keep in mind, if the Nationals were to win this game, this would have been a huge game for Josh Bell. I mean, two hits for Bell, one being a double to break up the no-hitter, and another being a mammoth home run where you could see the left fielder on that. He didn't even move. He did not... You could just tell that it was automatically going out. He was just standing there, and then he turned his head to see how far it went. So Bell was playing amazing. And then just when you thought it was over, the Marlins were down to their last breath. It's the top of the ninth. There's two outs. Obviously, Yul Garcia is up at bat. In the game for the Nationals is pitcher Tanner Rainey, who has been amazing this season, I know the broadcasters were talking about how good he is. They were saying how the Mets might try and pick him up because a contending team could use a great bullpen piece like Tanner Rainey. And right now, Tanner Rainey has a 3.46 ERA, so it's not the best, but he has been really good for the Nationals this season. And he has proven that he can be a good pitcher. He could definitely be a good piece for the Mets with Edwin Diaz. They could also use some help to set up Edwin Diaz. Anyways, 
So Tanner Rainey's in the game. There's two outs, nobody on. Obviously, Yale Garcia comes up and he draws a walk. It's a full count. He take a he takes a pitch just low of the zone and he walks. Now this is huge because if Garcia doesn't get on here, it's game over. So Garcia gets on. Now you have the tying run on at first base. They pinch run for him with Billy Hamilton so that a double can for sure knock him in. And obviously, Yul Garcia, before he exits the ball game, he goes up to the next hitter, Jesus Sanchez, and he tells him, uh, he seems to be telling him that he knows something about this pitcher. He has experience against him, or he just knows how the pitcher is going to approach him. Because he was talking to him for about 20 seconds, just talking strategy. And you could also see broadcasters were talking about, shout out to Paul Severino and J.P. Aaron Sevilla. J.P. was saying about how, well, Jesus Sanchez has been slumping recently, and when you're in a slump, you want to try doing something different to get out of it. And that's what Jesus Sanchez did in this game. He was wearing his pants up rather than pants down, which he had been doing previously. And, well, it seems to have worked, because thanks to Abisayu Garcia giving him advice, some advice, and I don't know if the pants up were good luck, but Jesus Sanchez hit a two-run home run to give the Marlins the lead in the ninth. It was a 2-2 count. Marlins down to their final strike. All the fans on their feet at National Park, even though there weren't many, there were some in the in the VIP club behind home plate, and they were all on their feet. They thought it was game over. Sanchez fouls off a few pitches, stays alive, ends up being a 2-2 count, and he just clubs a home run of the second deck in right field. It was an absolute blast. I was freaking out. I mean, that's just incredible to see something like that. And the Marlins haven't done stuff like that. They've been unclutch for most of the season. But a fun stat here via Bally Sports Florida on Twitter, the Marlins are the first team with three go-ahead home runs with two outs in the ninth inning or later in the span of eight days in 39 years. So they're the first team to do that since the 1983 Detroit Tigers. And keep in mind that team had guys like Alan Trammell, Lou Whitaker, Chet Lamone. Those were the three guys who hit the home runs. And for the Marlins, it's Nick Fortes. Now, Nick Fortes, they were at home, so they couldn't hit a go-ahead home run. But it was a walk-off home run, so it does count. And then they go on the road to St. Louis. Keep in mind the Nick Fortes one, if you're forgetting for some reason. It was against the Mets in the walk-off solo home run when the game was tied. And they were down to their final out. Just incredible. And then they do it again on the road. A go-ahead home run from Avisail Garcia against one of baseball's best closers in Ryan Helsley, which players had rarely scored any runs off Helsley. He had only given up, I believe, one home run up to that point. So just incredible that he was able to do that and win the game for the Marlins. And then Sandy Alcantara closing it out, basically getting the save, even though he went all nine innings because he was able to push himself seven, 117 pitches. So that was a crazy game. And then you have this one, of course, that I just talked about. And there's no reason for me to talk about it again. It's just so special. And I was freaking out. I think all Marlins fans were freaking out. I think if you weren't screaming, if that does not get you excited, I don't know what does. I think you've seen too much. Anyways, now, 
we're going to move on here from yesterday's game, as that was pretty crazy. And before we preview today's 4th of July, 11 a.m. game, which I am very excited about, we have some minor league news to talk about. First, I won't be talking about our low A team too much on this podcast, but something that is worth mentioning is that the Jupiter Hammerheads faced Max Scherzer last night in Port St. Lucie. Scherzer making a rehab start for the St. Lucie Mets, facing the Jupiter Hammerheads, the Marlins low A affiliate. And, well, Jacob DeGrom did pretty good. He went one inning and two-thirds, struck out all five guys for his outs. His first three pitches were fastball 100 miles per hour, fastball 100 miles per hour, and fastball 101 miles per hour. So DeGrom comes back, and I might have accidentally gotten mixed up with Scherzer. Scherzer was playing for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies on Wednesday, actually, of last week, and I was at the rehab start for Scherzer. So pretty interesting. Got to see Scherzer. He went a lot more than DeGrom since it was not his first rehab start back, and he ended up going about five innings, allowing three runs. I I believe only two of them were earned. And I was able to attend that start in Hartford since I'm currently in Connecticut visiting some family for the month, enjoying my summer. Then I'll be in Atlanta for a bit. I'll be seeing the Marlins next weekend, or I guess I should say this upcoming weekend as it is Monday now. I'll be at the Marlins versus Mets game in City Field again. And I already went to the first Marlins-Mets game, that previous series at City Field. The more I went to the Monday game of the four-game series, the last one, and they lost 6 to nothing, unfortunately, but still always fun to see my Marlins play. And now it's time to preview today's game, but first, before we do that, I do want to mention that the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp had a win last night. They won 7-2. to two. Max Meyer gets credited for the win. Good start from him. And Williams Astudio now in the minors after getting DFA'd. Nobody claimed him off waivers. So he's with the Jumbo Shrimp now. Back where he started. And he hit two home runs last night. So congrats to Williams Astudio on the two homers. And I have no doubt in my mind that he should probably be back up if we have some more injuries at third base or at second base, if we're just shorthanded on the infield like we were when he was up, when both Anderson and Wendell were injured for a pretty long period of time. So now it's finally time to preview today's game. I am very excited about this one. Starting at 11.05, by the time this podcast comes out, you will have already watched the game if you did, and the game will already be at final So here's the Marlins batting order today. It's a a lot different. A lot of guys sitting because it's a game starting 22 hours after the last game. So you have to make some adjustments. So batting first for the Marlins, it will be Miguel Rojas at shortstop. Batting second will be Jesus Aguilar at first base. Batting third will be Brian Anderson at third base, who has been doing pretty well. A lot of people don't realize he's batting 273 on the season, despite it being a very small sample size because he was healthy for the beginning of the season. Now he's healthy for the middle of the season, but he missed a good chunk of the season. 
but he's been pretty good. So I like how the Marlins are batting him third. Batting fourth, yes, you heard that right. Batting cleanup is going to be Brian De La Cruz. Batting fifth is going to be Nick Fortes at catcher, which I really like, of course. He catches these Castano and Garrett games. Batting sixth will be Jacob Stallings at DH. So you get both of the catchers in there. You get Stallings in at DH because he needs an off day from catching behind the plate. Obviously, he's one of the older catchers, so he can't catch so much. Well, really, no catcher can catch so much, but he is 32. And that was a pretty dumb point of saying that he's an older catcher because he still can catch a lot, but you can't start any catcher every day. They have to get off days that they can't. They're not superhuman, and catching is one of the most tough positions on uh, on your body. Batting 7th will be Jesus Sanchez in center field. I kind of disagree with hitting him 7th. I think it would be better if they hit him 4th or something instead of De La Cruz or maybe hit him 6th. But if that's what Don Mattingly wants to do, he thinks that the lineup will work out well that way. I'll take it. Batting eighth will be Luke Williams at second base, and batting ninth will be Billy Hamilton in left field. Now, I really don't understand why they're playing Hamilton in left field instead of center field. I guess Jesus Sanchez is just so used to playing center now that they're going to start him there, but Hamilton is clearly the better fielder. I mean, Hamilton's a natural center fielder, so it's kind of surprising to me that they're playing him in left field, but there's not really a reason to complain. And as I said previously earlier, for the Marlins, it will be Braxton Garrett pitching today. He's been questionable. He's had some good start. He he had a pretty good start against Houston. He's been very up and down, but I think this is a start for him to excel. We've seen these Marlins younger guys succeed against the Marlins. These are succeeding against the Nationals because these are teams that you really need for a bounce back confidence building start like what Trevor Rogers had earlier in the season in in the series and we take a look at the Nationals batting order batting first it'll be Lane Thomas in right field I'll do this a little bit quicker batting second Josh Bell first baseman batting third designated hitter Nelson Cruz batting fourth the cleanup hitter, left fielder, Yadiel Hernandez, batting fifth. Michael Franco at third base. Batting sixth, Ejera Adrianza at second base. Batting seventh, the shortstop, Garcia. Batting eighth, the catcher, Barrera. And batting ninth will be Robles in center field. Patrick Corbin's on the, noun, the mound for the Nationals, who has not been good this season. Has a similar ERA to Braxton Garrett, except he's played... Way more games, a 6.06 ERA. He really has not been good, but since he's on a team like the Nationals, who is very shorthanded on starting pitchers, it's not like he's going to get taken out of this rotation. I think this should be a good game for the Marlins. They have a weaker lineup than usual, as Birdie and Cooper, two of their most hot guys on offense, are out today today just for their resting they should be available to pinch hit and then obviously Saeed Garcia who has been heating up a little bit is also on the bench along with Joey Wendell a lefty bat so some guys who are usually starting are on the bench today and we're going to have Hamilton and Williams guys who are not everyday starters 
in that lineup as us along with De La Cruz and Nick Fortes, who I still do love. I think he should be the starting catcher. But just because Stallings has such a good relationship with Sandy Alcantara, because they have chemistry now, they've worked together for the whole season, it's not that easy to make a change like that unless Stallings gets injured. That would be really scary for the Marlins if Stallings gets injured. I don't even know who you call up. I don't even think Peyton Henry's healthy. So it would be very tough for the Marlins to find someone to call up at catcher. Maybe you can start Williams Astudio. We do know he, that he actually came up as a catcher. He seems like he would be a catcher. And maybe Peyton Henry will be back. But we don't have to worry about that because Stallings is not injured quite yet. Anyways, I think that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the Ryan Schlesinger podcast. The game is about to start, so I'm going to go watch it. The Marlins looking for another sweep. They're looking to win their 12th game of the season against the Nationals and improve to 12-1. and They haven't lost this season at Nationals Park, and they look to continue that streak. I'll be back next time recapping this game and previewing the series, the two-game series at Lone Depot Park against the Angels. I hope everyone has a great day, and let's go Marlins.